You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. It is a quiet time in the NFL offseason. We just had the rookie mini camps there, a lot of uh, first looks at those exciting young talents, including Bryce Young, Bijan Robinson, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. So excited to see those players on the field, but not too much else going on as we transition to OTAs and minicamp here. The NFL schedule's out. We had that reaction for you. Went deep dive for you with that on Friday show. If you missed that at the end of last week, check it out. Here we're going to get you caught up on the latest news and notes. We'll do the AFC today, so we'll hit all 16 teams. The things you need to know that are fantasy football impactful. And then we'll come back with the NFC tomorrow. So we'll look at all 32 teams, latest you need to know, and then put away in your memory bank as something that's going to develop more for fantasy football. So excited to break down all those teams with you. Excited it's another week of Locked On Fantasy Football. I'm also very thrilled if you're a everydayer here and making us your first listen every day. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Everydayers, a special shout out to you for doing that. Every weekday we bring it to you. All off-season and season long here for you. And again, we will have uh, good stuff breaking down the news and notes you need to know here over the next two shows. If you're new to the show, welcome. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcast. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm also happy to say this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash today to get started on the action. All right, let's dive right in how we usually do this. Uh, if you're new to the show, if you're old to the show, then you know how we do it. We go alphabetical order. We go all 16 teams. We start with the Baltimore Ravens for the AFC, go through the Tennessee Titans. We'll do this exercise again for the NFC, going with the Arizona Cardinals all the way through the Washington Commanders. So let's dive in. A lot of teams to get to, a lot of notes we want to break down for you. The Baltimore Ravens, good place to start here. They drafted Zay Flowers, the wide receiver out of Boston College in the first round. What kind of role could he have? There's Odell Beckham Jr., Nelson Aguilar was signed, Rashad Bateman coming back from injury, Mark Andrews at tight end. Devin Duvernay slowly coming back from a foot injury. We know he's been a pro bowler as a return man for the Ravens, but Flowers did impress in the rookie mini camp here to say, look, this kid can do everything. We can put him everywhere. Odell Beckham Jr. is a hard guy to trust to stay healthy. Aguilar's had the injury issues as well of late with the Patriots. And of course, Bateman was uh, wiped out last year, so he's not been able to stay on the field as a first-round pick. So things could open up nicely for Zay Flowers, and he's ready to play any type of role here. So it's not just, again, as we thought about before the draft, it's not a little slot guy. He's not a guy that you line up outside. You can put him everywhere in this offense in Lamar Jackson. And really, keep in mind that Lamar has not had a lot of time with Rashad Bateman. He's been hurt. He does not have any experience with Odo Beckham Jr. or Nelson Aguilar as their newcomers to the team. So there are some opportunities here for Zay Flowers to really give the Ravens a key receiver all over the field. They wouldn't have invested so highly in a receiver above all other positions if they weren't going to think about 
giving him a key role right away. So we'll watch that carefully. A little bit of a crowd in a low-volume passing game. We expect it to open up a little bit with Todd Munkin as the offensive coordinator with Jackson back, but a lot to watch there. But Flowers definitely doing his part to impress. All right, we go from Baltimore to Buffalo. Now, Dalton Kincaid was a bit of a head-scratching first-round pick, but now we're starting to see why this was done. Dawson Knox is your main guy there. He got a contract extension tight end, but Dalton Kincaid is such a great athlete that they're looking at him more as a hybrid wide receiver. And this makes a little bit more sense, right? They didn't really go after a wide receiver until late in the draft and Justin Shorter. They've been uh, kind of disappointed in Gabe Davis stretching the field. So maybe it's a little way to change up their scheme here and maybe just not go 11 personnel, use a little bit more 12 here with Kincaid in the mix. And it really uses athleticism to their advantage. So Dawson Knox, I wouldn't say, is a great inline tight end or blocker there. But you put these two guys on the field, create some matchup problems, maybe have ability to stretch the field better with Gabe Davis as a fourth option here with Stefan Diggs. You could also look at Khalil Shakir, maybe displacing Davis on the outside. So there are a lot of things to look at with Dalton Kincaid and his skill set. So there's rumors, again, that they drafted him more as a wide receiver, which would uh, definitely make a lot more sense because they were tied to a lot of wide receivers in the first round, including Quentin Johnson, to help stretch the field as well as Zay Flowers. So there are some things that Kincaid can do that are special, that are unique, that Dawson Knox cannot do. So, again, this would maybe lean toward a team going to particular personnel set. And, again, uh, Kincaid is a hybrid, so you could say that's 11 and 12 personnel when he's on the field with Knox and uh, the way they use them. So I think they're looking for a little bit more versatility, some matchup, creating uh, situations here more to their advantage with Josh Allen and less maybe running and dependent on that and having an intermediate guy who can uh, be so dynamic after the catch as well. So that's what the Bills are getting in Dalton Kincaid. Now the Bengals' big offseason question has been about Joe Mixon, more off-field questions. He's less effective. He's getting a little older. They did address the position in drafting Chase Brown out of Illinois. So he's already under contract. They also have Trayvon Williams, who they like at the position, who's been hanging on for a bit. It's a new opportunity here without Samaje Ryan in this backfield. Chris Evans hasn't done all that much. I would think Brown definitely is in the driver's seat to be that third down pass catching back here because Ryan was very good at all three things here. So in terms of uh, running, blocking, and receiving. So he's a big loss. I think he's an underrated loss. The Broncos are going to benefit from him. We'll have more on what his Broncos role could be in, in just a couple of minutes. But when you look at Mixon so far, they're keeping him. But I would say right now, it's going to be a battle between Chase Brown and Travion Williams to see who can uh, step up as that number two that could get that opportunity should something happen to Mixon. So we'll watch that carefully in that handcuff situation. The Browns made a defensive move. They traded for... Zadarius Smith, the Vikings are trying to shake up their edge rush, so they get another guy there to help Miles Garrett in Cleveland. But interesting development at uh, tight end here. You have uh, Jordan Aikens uh, in the mix. He's past Harrison Bryant. So this uh, new offense, uh, not a fan of Harrison Bryant in there. Looking at it with Deshaun Watson. Watson's not a big tight end guy anyway. We know Aikens came over also from Houston, so there's some history there with Watson, so that that's, could be something you're looking at. Well, David Njoku, this is good news for him because they are quite even last year, a lot when they were used with Jacoby Brissett and even before then. But I think there was a clear separation between Njoku and Bryant as Njoku's a little bit better reliable receiver at this point, and he was definitely fantasy relevant last year. Bryant kind of faded, and that really helped Njoku's value. So if Aikens is displacing Bryant, you'd say it's really good news here 
for Njoku going forward and building on that with Deshaun Watson as it's really the third target right now that they can trust. I know they've got David Bell and Cedric Tillman, but you think after Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, they still trust Njoku quite a bit in this offense. So maybe a little separation not as close with Bryant or Akins, the newcomer here in Cleveland. And uh, last team we'll look at in this segment, the fifth team, we'll talk about the Denver Broncos. We talk about Samaje Piran. They're pretty confident in him being a three-down back. Why is this important? They're not 100% sure Javonta Williams with his major knee injury from last year can return and stay off the physically unable to perform list to start the season. So that's really good if you have Javonta Williams on pup. I think this just makes P. Ryan on-demand, in-demand running back you do need if you're going to go after the shot with Javonta Williams here. I think Williams is still a hand RB2 only because he's got the injury. If he was not with the injury, I think you'd look at him more as an RB1, but they do trust in P. Ryan to cut into the work a little bit. And again, be a strong contingency here until you can get the complete Javonta Williams on the field. Now, a couple of newcomers in the mix that are joining Pirine, Marvin Mims, I think they have a big play type role specified for him. That looks like the case here, stretching the field at certain times here. They like that element we know with Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi going back to their Saints day. So they like that big play threat. So I don't think he's necessarily going to cut into what they have because, again, they're pretty deep now tight end or wide receiver and tight end, really. But you look at wide receiver, it's Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy. I think Judy's going to be the odd man out and being re-signed next year. But Mims could have a key role here as the number four receiver in a big play situations there as maybe he gets the full-time work in the middle of the field over Jerry Judy next year. Now, tight end, they did get deeper. We uh, jumped that gun a little bit, but Greg Dolchich is uh, getting some real competition. Adam Troutman, they traded for him during the draft. So Saints familiarity definitely is there with Troutman coming over from New Orleans. So a little bit concerning there for Dulcich that he have another athletic presence. I know Troutman didn't live up to much ahead of uh, Juwan Johnson there, and he really was a disappointment. Juwan Johnson had some fantasy relevance, but I think the Saints still think they can make more of him as an athlete here. That Saints brain trust, I should say, with uh, Peyton and Lombardi, so we'll see how it develops here, but uh, definitely it's not great news for Dulcich, and really Mims in the mix, not great news for how we want to navigate these three wide receivers, established veterans here with Russell Wilson. All right, there you have a look at uh, five teams, latest NFC news and notes that uh, pertain to fantasy football. Again, we'll come back tomorrow with the NFC, where wherever you get your podcast, subscribe and follow for free. Thanks, everydayers, for being with us every weekday. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We told you at the top, this episode of Locked On Fantasy Football is brought to you by the fine folks at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And really, it is a great sportsbook for NFL action. But we know what's in full swing right now. It's the NBA. And the NBA is headed to the conference finals. That's right. We finally have our final four teams here. It is first the Lakers and the Nuggets. So LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, what a playoff Ending there in that conference and Anthony Davis on the side here. And then you look at the Western. That's a great matchup. But you look at the Eastern. What another great matchup. Jason Tatum just off a 51-point performance for the Celtics. They're headed back to the conference championships uh, playing the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler. So a lot of excitement there during the final round of the NBA playoffs before the NBA Finals. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet at FanDuel Sportsbook up to $1,000. That's right. If you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can get $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Really, 
what's great about betting on FanDuel, you can use the app and you can check out their great promotions every day. They give you some nice little parlay teaser things that you can check out and ways to get in on the action in different ways. So it's really fun, easy to track your bets, safe and secure app that you can totally trust here for your wagering. So, And the best thing is you can look at your account after you've won, you get paid instantly. So there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than at America's number one sportsbook. That is FanDuel Sportsbook. Again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA, as well as a proud sponsor here of the Locked On Network and official sports book of the NFL. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, it is time to come to your show here in the moment. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen. Every day, we're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. All right. Let's uh, dive right into the rest of the AFC News and Notes. We'll cover six teams in this segment, then close with five more in our final segment here on Lockdown Fantasy Football on a Monday. Don't forget, we'll come back with the NFC News and Notes tomorrow. Texans, how about C.J. Stroud lobbying to get Tank Dell on the team? So we like that, that there's an established chemistry and push here. Rookie versus rookie is very good here. When we're looking at the impact, I know they got Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State later in the draft, but Tank Dell, if anyone was banging the table here, maybe C.J. Stroud knew the Texans were going to take him at two when it was pretty clear that the Panthers were going to take Bryce Young at number one, that he wanted Tank Dell. And keep in mind, there's some crossover between the Ohio State and Houston Cougars offenses here that we've seen in the past, Tom Herman in between there. So when you look at uh, things that have uh, transpired, I think, look at Tank Dell. I mean, they lost Brandon Cooks. They did replace him with Robert Woods, but he's an aging guy that has had a lot of knee issues. Well, Cooks was a pretty consistent producer. You're not sure what you're going to get from Nico Collins. I know this new offense really fits him. Tank Dell's that Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk type. You can line him up everywhere, throw to him. He can make things happen after the catch. A bit of a hybrid, open field guy. So Tank Dell, watch out for him. I love this guy, Nathaniel Tank Dell, and he's a little guy. I love those ironic nicknames when he's a smaller guy, diminutive dasher, and I love that C.J. Stroud immediate connection with him in rookie minicamp. So watch out for Tank Dell being a big part of what the Texans do sooner rather than later here in this offense rebooting under uh, Bobby Slowick and the 49ers style of offense. All right, let's go to Indianapolis here from Houston. So we have run of... uh, AFC South teams will explore. Anthony Richardson, there was a nice story about him that there was an event with rookies and that we saw Troy Vincent applauded him because he was the guy to help clean up and stay there and do that. So he's pretty dedicated. Dedicated. He's going to put in the work. That's great news to hear with Anthony Richardson. His personality has been very promising here that he's going to put the work needed to succeed in Shane Steichen's offense. They also moved on from Nick Foles. So it's down to Gardner Minshew versus Richardson to see how quickly he can go on the field. I think there was a presumption Richardson was going to sit, but now he's a very good shot after a little impression and impressing there as well with Alec Pierce and some others in the rookie minicamp that you're going to see some big things here with uh, Anthony Richardson and it looks like he's going to have a real shot to displace Minshew right away to start. That'd be exciting. And then he would come right into our sleeper QB1 conversation as one of the bullet QB2s that we're going to look at on the rise. The Jaguars don't have any questions with their quarterback. Trevor Lawrence looks very entrenched as a QB1 for fantasy with all the weapons he has, including now Calvin Ridley. But big important development, they've uh, 
signed Anton Harrison. He was a rookie first round pick. Looks like they are going to get a suspension here soon for Cam Robinson. That is too bad. They have Walker Little to help replace him and also losing Jawan Taylor to the Chiefs in free agency. So Anton Harrison's going to play a big role, not just in the pass protection early, but also run blocking openings up for Travis Etienne and the rest of the backfield. All right, we go from Jacksonville to uh, the AFC West and the Kansas City Chiefs, your defending Super Bowl champions. Good news for Isaiah Pacheco, some multiple surgeries, but is on the recovery mend here. They did bring back Jarek McKinnon, but they also declined the option for year five of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So Isaiah Pacheco is the leader of this backfield. McKinnon, they signed late here to remain that change of pace, but Pacheco is going to be the guy who gets the key touches. We saw he has some receiving pop as well. Good power back, complete back. So watch out for Andy Reid going back to a feature back this year with McKinnon maybe being a change of pace, a little bit of rest in those third down situations, but looking great for Pacheco as they're phasing out Edward Delaire. Maybe they've learned their lesson. Don't use a first-round pick in real life <laughs> there in the NFL draft and Edward Delaire when you can get an Isaiah Pacheco in round seven and get real promise out of your backfield. So maybe the Chiefs have learned that, learned their system is superior here, and they can uh, plug in a guy such as Pacheco. So I'm expecting a nice uh, RB2 floor in half-point PPR even from Pacheco this year. Kadarius Tony, they're excited about him as well. And uh, you have uh, Sky Moore and... Uh, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, and now the rookie Rasheed Rice. But I think they believe in Tony here without Juju Smith-Schuster to really be the number one receiver lineup. That will be great for his value there playing off Travis Kelsey. So they love that. And the Chiefs uh, didn't stand still in their offensive line. Looks like they're going to put Juwan Taylor, the aforementioned former Jaguar, at right tackle. Donovan Smith was signed. So plug-and-play left tackle, the former Buccaneers guy in front of Tom Brady. They released him for salary cap purposes. So he goes from now... Playing with Tristan Wirfst, now Juwan Taylor on the other side, but very good news here. Good recovery after losing Orlando Brown to the rival Bengals in free agency, getting a guy off the street uh, released to buy a very good team last year. All right, we go from the Chiefs to uh, another team in the AFC West, the Raiders. Tom Brady is getting restless. He may want to buy the Raiders or part of them at least. That's good news. So you know he's around the Raiders a little bit, influencing Josh McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo, I think this offense is going to have a little bit more upside than we think with their passing game. Too many weapons there, right? Between Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers, there they now have a little bit more pop at tight end with the rookie Michael Mayer. Josh Jacobs, a pretty good receiver as well. So watch out for this team having a little bit more offensive juice. And defensively, the Raiders, uh, much like a lot of other teams, taking care of their first-round picks. Tyree Wilson under contract here for his rookie deal. The final team we'll get to in this segment, the Los Angeles Chargers. They've got uh, Quentin Johnson on their contract, so it didn't take long to get their first-round wide receiver. We'll see that there's still not a lot of high expectations for him as a rookie with Mike Williams occupying that role, but should something happen to Williams or and or Keenan Allen, then you see that. But Johnson in the mix here for the Chargers, and they like his skill set a lot, so we'll see if he's given the opportunity to take advantage of that with Justin Herbert. So good stuff there. We still have to break down uh, five more teams for you. We'll do that in our final segment. We'll go from the Dolphins through the Titans here. Again, really happy that you're joining all the shows on the network. And we're breaking down all the teams for you from the AFC. Check out our team-by-team podcast here, keeping you up to date with the latest news and notes you need to know. I know, look, the draft is over, the schedule release is over, free agency is in the rear view, but a lot of things you need to know. How does your team all come together here for OTAs and minicamps? So check it out 
all our great team by team NFL podcast, Locked On NFL Network, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy team every day. All right, it is time to close the show and look at uh, five more teams and their latest news and notes coming out of the AFC. Again, we'll do this tomorrow with the NFC. The Dolphins, uh, Devin the Chain continues to get some buzz here. Even though they brought back Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. and Miles Gaskin in the mix, I think Gaskin is pretty much done here with the chain and the drafting. We know Mike McDaniels was pumped. We saw the little fist pump mini celebration he had when they drafted a chain. So this reminds me a lot of the Elijah Mitchell situation. Remember, we thought, okay, Trey Sermon is going to be the guy or someone's going to be the guy. But it, it can change very quickly in this 49ers style of offense run blocking. And the Dolphins are not immune to that with Mike McDaniels. So Devin chain, I really liked him. I really thought he was the third best running back in the draft overall when you look at the skill set behind Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. So it lines up really well for a chain to maybe have a big role and lead the Dolphins' backfield before it's all said and done. We go from New England, well, we go to New England, I say. We go from Miami to New England. We'll have the Jets next here to break down the news and notes. James Robinson, not a lot of confidence that he's actually going to challenge Ramondre Stevenson for key touches that could help Pierre Strong as number three here. So we need to see how it plays out. We want to trust Stevenson being the lead back. They didn't really look to replace Damian Harris, who signed with the rival Bills in free agency during the draft. So maybe they're just rolling with Stevenson a bigger role. Robinson again has the potential to be cut. Look at some of those younger backs, so Pierre Strong, namely here. So we'll see how it plays out. But man, it's looking great for Ramondre Stevenson as an RB one with real upside. For the Jets, we do like uh, Brees Hall as an RB1 if he can come back healthy. But the number two role in flux a little bit. They have Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter. These guys were okay. They had a little bit of flashes. But Israel Abaniconda, who they drafted out of Pittsburgh, is a steal. They already have him under contract here. So complete back can do a lot of things. Three down guy who can uh, catch passes as well. So he more falls in line with the type of back that Brees Hall is. And you want to have that seamless transition. Versus uh, being limited there, Michael Carter's a little bit frail, not much of a power back. Zonovan Knight might not be the biggest asset as a receiver. So you want somebody similar, and Abani Kondev might be the guy. So we'll watch that depth chart here carefully. And Corey Davis, they're not giving up on him, even though the team signed Randall Cobb here for Aaron Rodgers. Interesting weaponry now. Al Lazard and Randall Cobb follow Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay to New York. You also have, of course, Garrett Wilson in the alpha big-time role here. So... Corey Davis hanging on here, so they do have uh, some versatility. They didn't go after receivers, so a lot of uh, veteran work here. So I think Alan Lazard could play a big slot here. They could also move around Garrett Wilson and put Lazard outside with Corey Davis. So they like Corey Davis' size. I think it's a good move here. He's rather cheap to keep. I know he's very cheap to also dump here where you can save a little bit of cap money, but he's a veteran. Seasoned guy that, if he can work well with Rodgers, can be a good red zone threat here for him. So it's not over yet for Corey Davis and right now. The weapons look like in this order for Aaron Rodgers, Wilson, Lazard, Cobb, Davis, uh, battling for that third spot. And the tight ends, of course, Tyler Conklin and C.J. Ozama. So a lot of receiving depth here for Aaron Rodgers, and it keeps growing. And you'll have the right options here to put up some rebound numbers with the Jets. We go from uh, New York to Pittsburgh. The Steelers, not a lot to report there, except Al Robinson settling in, but clearly there's a separation. He's well down in the receiving pecking order behind uh, Deontay Johnson, Pat Freemuth, and George Pickens, as you also have Najee Harris out of the backfield. So, so trying to carve out his role, but Allen Robinson, more of a depth guy, kind of help a little bit with Kenny Pickett's production, especially in the red zone. And uh, finally, 
we look at Tennessee, and the big question is quarterback, how is it going to play out? Right now, it seems like they're sitting on Ryan Tannehill unless there's a way to move him. That would make Malik Willis a developmental number three, potentially off the roster here. And the Titans are not expected to be all that great here, so Will Levis could be someone that they press into the lineup as well. So something we're going to monitor all offseason long, where do they go? I think you'd feel best if Will Levis actually was the quarterback here versus Tannehill Willis, so we want to see when that could happen, but it looks like the Titans are leaning towards giving him a shot to start earlier in the season rather than later. All right, there you have it. There's a breakdown of the latest AFC news and notes related to fantasy football. We'll come back tomorrow, look at the NFC, all 16 teams there for you with the news nuggets you need to store away to continue to build your knowledge base here as we do advanced scouting here throughout the offseason on Locked On Fantasy Football. Again, every day, a special shout out to you to uh, checking out our show every day, every weekday here. Thanks for making us Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen. Again, tomorrow's episode, pretty clear cut. We're going to the AFC News and Notes, catching you up on everything you need to know there that is in the works for fantasy football ahead of OTAs and minicamp. So check that out. For Locked On Fantasy Football, this is Vinny Iyer. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we'll check you out with Tuesday's show.